Welcome to the Sip It and Rip It podcast brought to you by the Golf Society, where our mission is to make golf more accessible and inclusive while growing the game on and off the course. So no matter your skill level, your age, or your beauty, join us as we dive deep into making golf great again. Without further ado, here are your hosts. Sip and Rip. All right. Today on Sip It and Rip It podcast, we have Quinn Phillips joining us. Uh, boys, Jordan, looks like uh, you're not in your mom's basement today. You're where you were, where you at today? We're at the studio today, uh, and we're sipping on some Ribstone Creek Brewery. We appreciate the guys uh, for hooking up the pod with that. So I'm sipping on some Keeper's Point Pale Ale. And then Luke, you're back in your wife's office. Always in my wife's office. I'm on the Ribstone Creek High View Hefeweizen, and it is a tasty treat. Okay, and I'm on the Abbey Lane, and it's delicious. Quinn, what are you drinking tonight? Well, guys, I'm on a, a nice cider. No boats on Sunday. Just the can's really pretty. It's, it's nice also can. what I had in my fridge. Usually, <laughs> it's, a good it's Monday what... night drink, right? Excellent. Uh, so, Quinn, you you're a global sports anchor. Would that be the accurate description of your role with uh, with global? Global sports anchor and reporter. Oh, excellent. That's and my favorite part of the job, so it has to be in the title. <laughs> Perfect. And so, how did you get into broadcasting? Oh, how did I get into broadcasting? Uh, my father didn't stop me, which was his fault. Just in case anybody doesn't know, my dad is Rod Phillips. He was the play-by-play uh, -play guy for the Edmonton Oilers for 37 years. Um, so I grew up in the media. I grew up around the rank. I absolutely loved being there. I loved the media guys. I loved being in the scrums. And so... I just, you know, decided to pursue that. So I don't know. There's not really an exciting story. I just loved it. And I loved what my dad did. And so I went to Nate and took radio and television and then ended up, my first job was in Saskatchewan. It's a pretty good story getting into it just because your dad does it. Uh, I'm happy I'm not an accountant like my father. So hopefully he doesn't <laughs> listen to this episode and hear me say that. But uh, my dad's job was a lot cooler. <laughs> Not sitting at a desk and crunching numbers feels like a, a good position. Um, I probably made more than my dad, so. Okay, well, starting on that, what's your most interesting, you may not be able to say it, but what's your most interesting story that you've done? Like, not interesting isn't like super cool, but like interesting is like that was kind of a disaster. You got one of those on hand? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> this one is very embarrassing. So my first job was in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and you go to the small towns to make the mistakes. Anyways, I was covering sports and news, and I <laughs> was covering the Melville Millionaires hired a new coach, and I did a whole story on Jamie Friesel. And so anyways, the story goes to air and it went on to air in Yorkton and in Regina because they always picked up our stories. And I get a call from Jamie Fiesel after the story ran telling me that it was great that I did a story and he really liked it, except that his name is not Jamie Friesel. It's in fact, Jamie Fiesel. I did a whole story on a guy and I got his name wrong. How do you do that? So this How many times did you actually say his name in the story? Oh, like probably 10. It's awful. He must have just cringed every time. Friesel. Friesel. Oh, and the worst part was is that CTV Regina had done all these like play on words because he was the hockey coach, right? So they're like the millionaires freeze their coach. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's flip that though. Let's do one more. What's, what's your favorite interview and reporter that you've, or, uh, that you've done so far? 
believe it or not, is, I mean, I've interviewed a ton of very, you know, different athletes, famous people, that kind of thing, which is always obviously very cool. Um, but probably one of my favorite stories, the one that had the most impact on me was this kid that was actually, he was the victim of an attempted abduction when he was 10 or 11 years old, which I think you guys can imagine is like incredibly traumatizing. He was thrown in the back of this guy's truck and the neighbors heard him screaming. So they came out and rescued him. Um, and I mean, obviously just, he had severe PTSD and his anxiety was so high before the interview, but he, I didn't even think he was going to be able to do it. And he did. And he told a story and I had to fight tears the whole time. And he just talked about overcoming his anxiety. And as somebody who suffers from anxiety, I just felt like a real connection with him. And I mean, I think to, to the end of my career, that will be one of my favorite stories just because I thought he was so brave and just, it's it just somebody I connected with deeply. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be the, you know, being able to talk to so many different people every single day or every single week, it's, you get to see so many different perspectives and, and viewpoints of people's lives and how they've interacted, whether it's through sports or not sports. Right. So it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you, I mean, I've, I've forgotten more than I've done. So, you know, right. I, yeah, I feel I like sure there's been some really impactful ones, Pierre. Sorry. I'm sure it was impactful. <laughs> Oh yeah. For, for our listeners, we were chatting about this before Pierre actually was interviewed by Quinn like 14 years ago. And, uh, Quinn obviously was wasn't memorable though. Nobody yeah, remembers. About him. So Quinn, after your stint in Yorkton, Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Yep. Growing up in a city like Edmonton where your dad is the voice of the Oilers and all that stuff. How did your career bring you back to Edmonton, a town where you grew up and listened to your dad on the radio every other night in the winter? I actually didn't listen to him enough. I'll be really honest. I probably listened to him less than all you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, in my path was kind of interesting because I went to Lethbridge after and then I was in, in Red Deer. Um, and I actually left the industry when I was in Red Deer and went into communications and media relations. Never thought I'd go back to media. And then an opportunity came up at Global totally randomly and um, it was just a fill-in and then it ended up turning into full-time. And like I said, I never thought I'd go back. And then I ended up coming back to a job in Edmonton, doing sports in my hometown. It was uh, very lucky. I'm almost offended that you left communications, but whatever <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. She says, shaking her head. Some days are better than others. A hundred percent. Yeah. There are good days. So just shift gears because it is a zip and rip it podcast. Uh, and we do talk about golf here occasionally. So how did you get into the game of golf? Because we see you out there all summer long. It seems like a natural fit with uh, somebody whose dad was in the sports industry. And I'm assume you played a lot of sports growing up. But how did you really find the game? And then it seems like you still really enjoy it. So yeah, I'm obsessed with it. Um, my dad's mom was an avid golfer like big time in golf and she had a club in my hand when I was really young which I feel very thankful for because it definitely makes swinging a club a lot easier than picking it up when you're in your 30s um didn't play a whole time though when I was a kid because my parents actually didn't golf which is too bad like I would go with my dad like maybe once or twice a year um and go with my nana maybe like once or twice a year um but that was it and 
when I really started to get into golf, it's so funny because I've, I've always been able to like hit it fairly well without like learn, like taking lessons or anything like that, but obviously not consistent, still not consistent. But, um, I remember I used to go once a year with my dad and just get so frustrated. And he kept telling me, Quinn, you're not going to be good if you don't play enough. Like you have to play more. And then one day just a switch flipped and I just turned everything into practice and trying to like, learn what I did wrong on a shot and not be angry that I missed a shot, but think, okay, I definitely lifted up there or I hit it off the toe. So what did I do there? You know, and that totally changed everything for me. Um, still get frustrated, but I still just try to look at everything as a lesson and trying to figure out what I did wrong. So how, how often, like, how many times a week are you usually playing? Like ideally, how often are you going out? Oh, ideally I would go out two to three times a week. That's of course, like I have to, well, no, ideally I would go out five days a week. <laughs> Good uh, answer. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that job thing gets in the way, which is super disappointing. So I'm usually out like at least twice a week on my weekends. I'm lucky my weekends are Thursday, Friday, which are really good days to golf because they're not crazy busy. So for, for you going to growing up in the game and, and being involved in sports a lot and, and what's the value for you for being able to know how to golf and how that relates to what you do for work? Is there a lot of trends or relation there? Yeah, there definitely can be. That is a good question. Um, I mean, on one side, there's obviously the, the charity golf tournaments um, that we often get invited to as celebrities, as I put that in finger quotes, because I don't tend to consider myself a celebrity, but we get invited to those. So it's definitely nice to be comfortable on the golf course. Um, you, you can say yes to more of those and you don't feel like a burden going to those. If you can, if you can kind of maneuver around a golf course for sure. Um, obviously like an understanding of golf, makes it easier in my job as well. Like when I do stories and stuff like that, I certainly feel much more of a connection with golf because I do understand it because I play it. Um, I never played hockey. So I have to be honest, there's times when I'm asking hockey players questions that I actually don't really know if I feel right asking them because I never played it. Whereas golf is very different because I do play it. So that certainly helps, I'd say. So I guess for your perspective, like how can, how can women get more involved in the game and benefit from playing the game? That's, I, I was worried about this question. It's terrifying as a woman to go out there because A, there's usually so many men out there. But I like, I, and I mean, it's empowering for everybody that plays golf. But you know, when, when you hit like just like a pure shot or you hit like a or you drain a great pot or something like that, it's just, there's like no better feeling on the planet and golfers can understand that. And I think that like women could add like, you know, could be so proud of what they can do on a golf course. Also for women, it's, it's like, I mean, it's great socially, obviously. It's interesting. Like my mom has a lar large golf group. There's definitely that age group that golfs, but uh, you know, my age group, I really struggle to find people to golf with. So Yeah. I mean, I'd love for more women to play and, and be really comfortable out there and, and want to go out all the time. I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of found that one a little tough. No, we'll dive, we'll dive deep, but no, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough question, but an important one too, at the same time. Okay. So when kind of expanding on that, what is something you want to see change in the game of golf that you find could be uh, that could help more women get on the course or just help the common golfer in general to feel more comfortable on a golf course? 
Okay, so I actually thought about this one before I talked to you guys. And I, forgive me if courses do actually do this, but I think it would be so beneficial for courses to have even just one day a month where it's like, it's just beginner day. And so the people that go out know that it's going to be a five hour round because the people in front of them are taking 12 swings, you know, in the fairway and, and five putts. But you're giving people a chance to go out and not feel the pressures of golf because there's that pace of play pressure. And for the people that, that do golf frequently, you feel that pressure more, especially when you're with a beginner. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I went out with my friend Mandy. It was her fourth round ever. And I was so frustrated because we got paired up with people. And that is also one of the most intimidating things. So I don't know if there's a way to like mark that you're a beginner and you don't pair people up. I realize that's not great for the bottom line of golf courses, but I just found like when I first started golfing, I was in my own head the entire round when I would get paired up with somebody and I would just be absolutely awful. I would top the ball. I wouldn't enjoy it. I wouldn't have any fun. So imagine if you didn't have to get paired up every time as a beginner, you went to the golf course. So I think those are two things that would be like really, really beneficial because it takes so much pressure off of you in the game. And that's, that's really what people need because the pressure just, I mean, it's such a heady game, right? So. Well, that's, that's a great answer to that question. That's something that I don't think we've even talked about before is that I, idea of I one day a I, month at least, right? Yeah. And I don't think I've ever thought about it before. Cause I've really like, I mean, I just think about the game selfishly, to be really honest. I just like want to hit the ball more consistently and stop giving away shots around the green. That's what I think about with golf. But when I started to think about how to grow the game and how to get more people involved, yeah, like that, that to me is the simplest way because you allow people to go out without the pressures and then they actually enjoy it. Well, and that's, we, we talked about this in another episode actually with like, and I don't know if some courses do this either too, but like when you, when you go, and pay for your tea time is to have like the, the pros or the people at the desk asking, are you an experienced golfer? Right. And if maybe you're not, you actually have this handout, be like, Hey, here's some ways to make your round of golf more enjoyable. Being like just simple things being like, if you're in the bunker, and you don't know how to get out, just take it out. Like, or in, so you don't have to try and, you know, spend five swings, getting out of the bunker, get frustrated, then move on to the next tough shot. Be like, Hey, Go up to where your friend is, hit your ball from there and, and different things to be able to make the game uh, just more enjoyable because you're going to get to a point where no matter if you're a golfer or not or, or male or female, it's like if you're having a hard time hitting the ball and get, getting super fresh, you don't want to be on the course for very long before you're like, okay, hey, I'm done. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that used to be me on the golf course and I would, I would struggle through the rest of my round until, like I said, I kind of changed my mindset about golf, but not everybody's going to be able to do that. And if, you go out and have like an embarrassing round because you get paired up with somebody you don't know and you're awful and you can't get out of the sand trap. Why would you go back? Yeah, absolutely. So I think like, and that's, that's an important thing for us to even just be able to, we talked about this before as well, like us as golfers, if we are playing with non-golfers and being able to educate them as well and be like, Hey, like don't like, and yeah, it's, it's, if you're going out as a twosome and get paired up with two other people that, um, you know, are good golfers or whatever. It's, it's a little bit tough, but it's a, kind of the onus is on us and to help those people be like, Hey, like it's okay to, you know, we were all there and it's going to take time. But like you said too, it's like how long before, like when you were like that on the golf course and having a hard time on the golf course, where was that transition for you that finally changed where it was more enjoyable and you started hitting the ball better. Unfortunately, golf is one of those things 
where you have to put in the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that was always my dad's message. You don't play enough to be good, Quinn. You play twice a year, right? But I would hit some good shots and I'd be like, but I can hit the ball, dad, you know? Right. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know if any of you know who Eric Anders Lang is, but I think he's a famous producer, but he's, he's all about his golf game and it's all about that Zen golf. You're only out there competing with yourself. It's not about, it's not about worrying how you play. It's about enjoying the walk and like enjoy the good shots you hit, enjoy the good views. Um, and I, I can't buy into it. I have a really hard time with it because I'm very competitive and I want to just keep my head down and worry about my ball. But guys like him are changing the way people look at the game where it's, it's the same thing. It's like, I, I just want to improve. I just want to get better. I want to hit good shots. I want to enjoy like the walk. I want to enjoy what I'm seeing. I want to enjoy everything around me. And it sounds like you've already, you've made that transition from being pissed off oh, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's still work to do. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's hard to hit, like you go out and you play around and you play real well on Tuesday and then you go out on Saturday and you hit like seven bad shots in a row and you're looking at your clubs like, these are the same clubs I used Tuesday and I played well with. Like, what's happening today that I can't do it and it just brings that frustration and instead of just, like you said, try to take a learning experience, you get still worked up and you, you think about everything that's going wrong. So yeah, Jordan asked like how that transition happens and I just wonder like how we can teach that like right at the beginning for new golfers. Like let's try and find a way to enjoy this. Is it as simple as not keeping score? Like how do you, how do you get new golfers to have that mindset? I know. And I, I, I struggle with the not keeping score thing, right? Because then you never know if you're getting better. Right. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a really great question. I think, I think a taking a lot of the pressure off pace of play would be a big thing. Um, because you're not worried about the people that are just standing there behind you. Right. So, I mean, during COVID they've definitely broken up the, the groupings a lot more. And, uh, but it, I, it's still maybe not enough. Cause like I said, when I went out with my friend Mandy, um, we only played nine and I, I think it would have been a pretty rotten 18 if we, if we'd played 18, because I mean, she would miss the ball more than she actually hit it. And the poor guys with us, one of them was on the Canadian junior national team. I was like, this couldn't be the, like a worse pairing for us, you know? Um, but yeah, just getting people to have fun, you, you know, how, how, yeah. How do you get people to do that? Right. So, um, I know for me, like that switch flips, um, one of the other things when I golf with people that are really good that I'm really nervous about, I ask them everything before I hit a shot so that it kind of just, yeah, it takes, it takes a bit of the pressure off in my head for sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a good workshop. How to make sure that people have fun on the golf course. When you mentioned getting paired up with groups and I don't think even if like, if you're experienced or if you're not experienced, you still don't enjoy getting paired up on a regular basis with people. Like sometimes no. it's, sometimes it's fun. But for the most part, being paired up with complete strangers on the golf course takes away from so much. The worst is when you're a group of three and they pair you with the single who's a walker, who's like a three handicap. And you know that guy is not there for the same reason that you and your two buddies are there for. Uh, yeah, 100%. And the other thing that is so hard is that if you are playing bad, again, it's such a heady game. So if you're playing bad and you get paired up with people, it is so hard to get out of that and start just like hitting shots and concentrating on your shots and not getting frustrated because you're, you're embarrassed. Well, the one thing you mentioned was it, it takes away from the bottom line 
because they don't they don't get to fill that t-sheet but long term your friend mandy would probably want to come back more often if she knew she wasn't getting paired up early on in learning how to play the game yeah a hundred percent i like i just remember she was like we have to play with them. She was absolutely horrified. And the look on her face, like I just, my heart just broke for her because she thought she was going with a friend who could help her learn. And then we got stuck with two 20 year old men, one who was on the Canadian junior national team. Like, could it actually be worse guys? <laughs> could have been Jordan and Luke. <laughs> I don't know. Probably stuck as bad as the other people. So it wouldn't have been that bad. Quinn could probably teach me a couple things. Oh no. Look <laughs> at 16 handicap it's not ideal well i'm higher than that so we're good i could teach you how to be worse at golf okay i'm okay with that so moving on from the the serious to the not so serious what what part of your game do you find you are the best at what do you think you can have some work on and what do you love about the game in general uh definitely my drives are my strength i can hit the ball a long ways and usually pretty straight Jordan, I don't know if you saw all the straight, if you saw any straight shots when I played with you, but I've gotten better. I've really straightened out my drive. Really straightened out. Well, there you go. There, I know you didn't see any straight drives when we ran into you on the golf course the other night with Pierre. I was over on your guys' fairway, almost hit one of you guys. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, uh, uh, so, yeah. I thought she was trash talking you about not hitting straight drives. I thought that's where that was going. I thought there was no, a beak there no. too, so I thought she was coming in hot there. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, what do I need to work on? Ugh. I give away so like, and just give away shots all the time, mostly around the green. I have absolutely zero confidence in chipping. And so I, I just either chicken out or I lift up or I just, I can't, or I leave myself like an epic long putt. And then putting is another non-strength some days it's okay many days i have no idea what i'm doing i can't understand the greens i don't understand the pace of the greens like nothing what do i love about the game uh i love there's a lot of things i love i mean we talked about it before just like hitting a nice pure shot like there's no better feeling in the world that's obviously what brings you back to the golf course i love being out in nature um, even if it's not that nice out, I still love just going out and being out there and, you know, especially, you know, some of the courses in the river Valley, you just kind of feel surrounded, but you're still in the middle of the city and it's such a good feeling. And I love the social aspect of it. Feel yes. Like, feel and, like and, and the brews on the course. Yeah. Also or ciders yeah. in my case. <laughs> Naturally that feels like a big part of our golf games because we're not there because we're scratch golfers. Uh, so we saw you at Victoria the other day, but where do you generally like to play or where do you play the most? And then where do you like to play? Like, what's your, I guess, what's your favorite course that you've ever played? My favorite course that I have ever played. Oh, guys, that's a tough question. I really liked Mayfair. I have to be really honest. I feel very lucky. It's not like I have a membership or know a member, but the Oilers have media tournaments there. And so I've been able to play there. I did really like that course. Um, Obviously, that's not super attainable for everybody. Public course. I really enjoyed Sandpiper the other day. To be really honest, like if you were just going to even talk about a municipal course that is super affordable, which is also another massive barrier to golf is the cost of it. Um, I love Riverside. Um, 
it's in a bit of rough shape this year. Hopefully they get that sorted, but Riverside is, it's super convenient. It has its challenges because there's, it's like all tree lined. Um, but you're in the middle of the city. It's so peaceful down there. Like you would never be able to tell that you're in the middle of the city. And again, like it's, you know, it's 40 bucks to golf there, which is, you can't beat. So kind of wrapping up, I guess for you, what are some things that you would maybe like to see changed in golf to welcome more people, get more people playing the game um, that you've kind of experienced over the last little while? Cost barrier, big thing for sure. You know, a lot of people think it's a rich people sport and it doesn't have to be. That is for sure. I, I think like I talked about, you know, for beginners, just having a day where they can, they can feel safe out there would be a really, really big thing to make the game a lot more enjoyable and longer summers in Edmonton. That's, that's doable, right? That's yeah. Get a couple of heat lamps out there. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe we can figure out a way to golf in the snow or something. I mean, I would hundred percent do it. That would not scare me off at all. If to swing just, all winter. You would just find a way to get like radiant heat under the fairways and greens. Yeah, I, I'm, I imagine that's incredibly affordable for golf courses, so I don't know feel why like they haven't it. done it. Feel like it. And then, <laughs> and then the rough would be, yeah, rough would be snow and just don't miss the fairways. That's on you. And you can play with colored balls. You'll find it. <laughs> there is, I was playing with a guy the other day, and he had yellow, blue, red, and we were like, dude, what are you, where do you get these things from? Oh, he's just, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they Gross. were. Couldn't even see them in the air where they were. Luke, that was really judgy, by the way, just so you know. I know, I apologize, but it was like, come on, man. We we were all giving a hard time, and he knew it. He knew it. Every time (laughs) he pulled one out, he's like, boys, I got another one. I got another one. Here it comes. Uh, So we want to thank Quinn for joining us here today on Sip It and Rip It podcast. Uh, Today's interview was actually brought by Connect Belts, the perfect fit belt. Um, it's the belt that I have you playing your best, looking your best and feeling your best on the course. So Quinn, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you giving us some of your time and, uh, we'll gladly have you back on again. Um, probably in the future, if we get past like episode 10, then, uh, we probably, probably have you again as a, as a reoccurring guest. Okay. Well, I got my fingers crossed for you guys. Cause I'd love to come back. Thanks for coming on Quinn and, uh, sip and rip guys. Sip and rip. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers everybody. Got a twirl on it, BK.